0: Hey everybody, this is Magnus Hedemark, and you're listening to the Autism First Language podcast. You're probably thinking, I've heard this podcast a while ago. Whatever happened to it? <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's it's been a slow year. It's been 2020 has been a tough year, and I'm just going to put that on the table. Uh, I do have a topic for today. We're we're going to talk a little bit about. Neurodivergent excellence and where it's coming from. But uh it's been a while since you've heard my voice, so I, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about uh what's going on, uh where I've been, uh where the podcasts have been and where they're going. You might also listen to my other podcast, The Neuroverse. I do have two episodes of the Neuroverse that have been recorded and not released yet, except to my patrons. It's been taking a while. Um in in part, just because honestly, um, I've I've been dealing with some darkness myself. A lot of autistic people uh, struggle with depression, and uh, it's it's definitely been hitting me as this year wears on. Uh, I will also say I've had some really well-meaning listeners step up, and uh, you know they've heard me talking about how. I'd love to have transcripts of every episode available to make the podcast uh, more accessible to listeners who who could use or, or really need transcripts. And as well to make the content more easily searchable and discoverable. So I had people come to me and say, you know, um, in, until it's affordable or until the technology is there, um, you know, maybe we could do this on a volunteer basis or, or just for a small amount of money. So, um, there, there've been more than one there, there've been several folks who, you know, I gave them the blessing, Hey, go off, uh, make some transcripts, try this out. I'd, I'd love to try this out and see how such an arrangement could work. And, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say none of those folks were able to come back with transcripts. They, um, I, I haven't heard anything, so I'm not going to, uh, make any kind of judgments or, or, or anything. I, I know their hearts were in the right place. And this is exactly why, uh, when it comes to transcripts, I'm going to have to, to either pay somebody to do it well, or I'm going to have to use technology that, uh, doesn't necessarily give the best transcripts, but it'll be something. So that said, uh, on to the topic, I've been really, really fortunate in my career and my advocacy to be included in a lot of conversations that autistic people are often left out of. I don't know if it's some of it's been, um, just good fortune. I think some of it is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to inject myself into places where I haven't been invited, but I I know somebody autistic needs to be there. And if I'm not, then there won't be any autistic voices. So, uh, sometimes I'm invited and that's been sometimes amazing, sometimes really tough to deal with. And you might think, You know, who's at the forefront of neurodiversity? Who's at the forefront of creating better outcomes for autistic people? You might think universities are doing it. You might think research projects are doing it. And I've spent some time this year going to conferences at different universities. One of the, (laughs) I'm not saying the pandemic is great, but one of the great things about the COVID-19 pandemic is that um, most of the events have gone virtual. So it's become possible to attend conferences, possible to attend events around the world, truly around the world and get a taste for like, who are the local leaders and what are they doing? And uh, I'm, I'm really sorry to say this, the state of neurodiversity in academic space um is a really mixed bag there are a lot of i would say old guard thinkers folks that had adopted postures that we've been trying to break away from that are You know, showing up at these events, being welcome at these events, and presenting old ideas and old points of view. And uh, it's disappointing. I've also seen some brilliant ideas being shared there. And I don't know that they're getting the warm embrace that they deserve from the academic community, but certainly... Uh, for the autistic folks in the audience, when we're in the chat rooms and you know, we're talking about, um, what we're experiencing at these events, the autistic people in the audience will you know, gravitate to a lot of the newer thoughts and ideas that are being shared and, and celebrating it like, Hey, this is great. And then when we get to a lot of the older ideas that are being shared, like pro-ABA, pro ABA pro you know treating autism as a disorder um you know telling autistic people to take drugs or to, or to just get through it um i i think when those sessions come up i've seen the chat rooms turn into a place of group therapy like we're we're surviving something traumatic together right now a lot of the f- folks in the academic space are maybe in a bubble. And I think I, I think I see a pattern of where it's coming from. Um, you have to follow the money. Where's the money coming from? And, you know, when the money's coming from, um, a, a lot of the wealthier or upper middle class quote unquote autism parents, when it's coming from the old guard autism charities, then the language they adopt, the postures they adopt, the agendas they adopt are going to be old guard. And when I say old guard, I mean like the, the, the older ideas that the autistic community has been trying to distance itself from and say, you know, this isn't our agenda. This isn't healthy for us. This isn't helpful to us. So who is doing it well? Well, again, I think following the money has been really interesting. If you look at, um, there's some neat things happening in large businesses, and when I say large businesses, like especially in the tech sector, If you look at IBM, if you look at SAP, Microsoft, these um, you know the so-called autism roundtable companies, um, they're a little bit further ahead than the universities. Uh, They've done some great things, great things for us, um, but there's still a lot of room to go. These are these are mostly like larger tech companies. And, you know, they are seeing, I think they're seeing autistic people as um, really a resource pool to tap into. And that's not necessarily a bad thing when you're in business. All right, bear with me here. Seeing autistic people as a strategically important resource pool. These are, uh, you know, people that maybe escape the conventional systems of hiring people, the conventional systems of, um, talent management, but who have some exceptional abilities that, um, we need to figure out how to leverage. So some of these bigger companies are figuring out how to do that for us, but those programs are still almost exclusively led by non-autistic people. Then I look at some of the things happening in small and medium businesses and things get interesting there. There have been some really interesting developments over the last year or so. Now, some of you have been following my work for a while might remember I released a document called, um, the neurodiversity 2.0 pre manifesto. And, um, I did hear back from our neurodiversity fairy godmother, Judy Singer, who invented the term neurodiversity and did a lot of and continues to do a lot of the work in this field. You know, she let me know, "Hey, neurodiversity 2.0 is something." You know, I'm writing a book about. I started a blog about. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stick to that branding. But that first document was released as Neurodiversity 2.0 Pre Manifesto, and I pointed out some of the things that were happening. Early in the movement, like what I talked about the big companies doing, this is neurodiversity happening for us. And I made some suggestions in there about um, how to make this a movement with us. That is to say, autistic people are there at the table helping to set the agenda, helping to make those big decisions, helping to lead these initiatives and it made a little bit of a wave It made a ripple. I did hear back from some folks and I think, um, some of the early responses I got from small and medium businesses were prickly, uh-huh. or, or at least I received them that way. And I thought that maybe they weren't welcome, but then I saw, some of the ideas in that document starting to be uh, embraced. And what I mean by that is actually developing autistic leadership, seeking out autistic leadership, putting them in places of at least some amount of power in the organization. I had other companies, I had, um, universities, I had groups reach out and more overtly embrace some of the ideas where they would say, um, Hey, we we know we're not doing the best we can in this area. Help us to understand here's where we are now. Help us to understand how do we get closer to this future that you're talking about? So I do want to single out, um, some companies as great examples of uh, really next generation neurodiversity. And Auticon is one of them. Auticon is a company that I, I kind of publicly ripped into a little bit. I got to sit in on, um, I think, a webinar hosted by them. And um, I wasn't impressed. A lot of the language that was used about us um really really felt dehumanizing it felt um like this wasn't an organization that was listening to us or working with us and i think this is an example of one of the organizations where um i i didn't feel like uh they were reaching out in a productive way to help fix that. But I really want to give them a lot of credit. Uh, they started embracing autistic leadership more. Autistic voices started being heard as the voice of the organization. Um, I talked to um, at least one member of their board of directors who was neurodivergent and, um, they have a practice manager. They open a new location and practice manager is openly autistic. And I see changes happening there. Yeah. So I, I really want to congratulate Auticon for where they are in their journey. And in a way, like they're ahead of a lot of these big, you know, autism roundtable companies. And I wanna I wanna draw some attention to that. That's important. These small and medium companies are showing everybody else what comes next, so pay attention to them. Another one I wanna single out is Ultranauts, and uh, Ultranauts is one of those companies that did reach out to me in a really productive and really curious way, and they want they you know they wanted to know. Based on where we are now, we know that we're not doing the best we can. What are some of the things we can do to get better at this? And I I suggested, uh, well, right now, you know, we've got uh, a really strong neurodivergent workforce, mostly autistic, I think, but like around 75% of their workforce identifies as neurodivergent. But if you look at the org chart, they were all at the bottom of the org chart. So you have the autistic people at the bottom and the non-autistic people at the top. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to see where this can go wrong. So I suggested strongly, hey, start developing uh, leadership from within. Look to your autistic workforce. See where leadership skills are present or or at least the aptitude for it. Develop those folks, give them responsibilities on an accelerated timeline and start to develop a leadership team where autistic voices are right there at the table determining the trajectory of your organization. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to let something out of the bag here and and just say um that turned into an opportunity for me to go work for Alternat And I was really, um, I felt really good about that. I felt really grateful about that. Uh, I work in a really, really big company right now and I've got a lot of responsibilities there. I'm in a strategic place there and I'm doing a lot of good. It's not seen publicly. But um, I've got some things in flight for neurodiversity in a big company that I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing at some point. So I had to turn down the opportunity to go work for Ultranauts at the time. But I was able to say, hey, you know, through my work, I've met a lot of autistic folks and some who have. Uh, strong leadership experience, even executive leadership experience. And I was able to, um, to introduce them to my friend, the brilliant Dr. Nicole Radziwill and say, if you're, you know, if you're impressed by me, you're, you're going to be blown away by her. She's uh, anybody who knows, uh, Nicole knows that she is formidable, a brilliant mind And, uh, really keen, uh, strategic sense, sensibility, um, strong business sensibilities. So I made that introduction and she's been there for a year now and I, I can already see like her influence at that senior leadership table, um, has been really good for Ultronauts. Ultronauts has had a great year and, um, I'm really, I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of, um, you know, my small part and, and just, I guess you could say I'm a friend of the company. I'm officially, I'm on their professional advisory board, but I've become friends with, um, some of the leaders there and, um, occasionally get to help work through, um, you know, some of the challenges they're facing or some of the opportunities for growth that they have. And I don't want to completely write off universities, all right? Let's go back to that for a minute. A lot of where you would expect excellence in neurodiversity, you might find disappointment. I I found a lot of disappointment. I think our universities can do better. I think the funding model, we've, we've got to take a look at the funding model to make sure the money is going to more modern sensibilities, more modern research, and uh rejecting a lot of the old deficit model uh autism research that you know we still just can't shake loose. So in, in the university space, uh one of the great friends I was able to make, he was on my Neuroverse podcast, um, Wes Wade. Wes Wade at North Carolina State University. Uh, He's a career counselor by day and he's kind of made it among his personal missions. He's neurodivergent himself. He's not autistic, but he has ADHD and he works day and night for his students. Um, And specifically I wanted to call out his students moving forward program where he sets time aside in his evenings and his, you know, in his personal time, um, spends time with these autistic students, helping them to, uh, prepare for interviews, prepare for professional success. Um, he brings in autistic professionals like me and others, um, that are representative of many different parts of society. So um I, I I really appreciate that. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of career counselors in academic space should absolutely be looking at what's happening at NC State. Look at the work of West Wade and see what they can learn from that. Uh I'd love to see more programs like students moving forward take root in other universities. So, um Yeah. Neurodiversity at work, follow the money, the, the big businesses. I think they're going to catch on. IBM is catching on. IBM is huge. I've got, I've got some friends at IBM and I think they started like a lot of other big companies do uh, with neurotypical people running everything for us. And more and more, I'm hearing about how autistic employees at IBM are helping to shape the future of their neurodiversity work. And that just makes me so happy to hear. I think we're going to see more and more of that from the big, from the big companies, from the big, uh, players in the autism at work space. But I really encourage you like, look, look past those big companies, look to the small and medium businesses who are taking bigger chances who are being much more aggressive and innovative in their approach to neurodiversity, and you know what? I was talking to somebody. I'm going to change directions just a little bit. I was talking to somebody um, with a very large finance firm who's doing some work for the U.S. government, and he was asking me about you know what this evolution of neurodiversity might look like. How does it scale? And it occurred to me, there's, there's basically like four stages, at least four stages of uh, programs like neurodiversity. And I don't want to limit this to neurodiversity. I think this happens in other areas as well. But for neurodiversity, it started as something that people do to us. That is to say, people who are not us started doing things to us not even necessarily with our interests in mind, but solely with their own. Okay. And I think when you, when you think about neurodiversity being done to us, it's not even neurodiversity. This, this is, this is taking people who have diversity of thought and either institutionalizing us or treating us like, Oh, I, I hate this term, but the village idiot, Right. We're that strange person who um, everybody knows is different. Everybody knows is quote-unquote other from everybody else. And there's just not really a place for us in society except to be kind of the town jester. That was uh, done to us. And then when you start to see some of these big company programs, the Autism Roundtable programs and so on, I think that's when... Neurodiversity started being done for us. Okay. So these were primarily non-autistic people looking at us and starting to recognize our humanity, our fundamental humanity. Um, and, and really commercially looking through the lens of capitalism, looking at us as um, an untapped workforce. And I'm not, look, I'm not going to burn on capitalism here or anything, but if you value capitalism, then, uh, looking at us as an untapped workforce is, I think it's a really positive thing. So that was neurodiversity done for us. Other people looking out for us and themselves at the same time. Uh, but not really having us at the table. When I talk about what's happening at some of these small and medium businesses, what's happening at North Carolina State University, what's happening at Ultronauts, what's happening at Audicon? This is where we're starting to see neurodiversity done with us. This is, you know, somebody neurotypical in charge or somebody, I shouldn't say neurotypical in charge because in North Carolina State University, that's, uh, Wes is, um, neurodivergent himself, but he's not autistic. So, that's neuro neurodiversity done with us. Autistic people still aren't in charge. I think there's an, there's another phase coming. It's coming soon. I think it's already there to some extent. And I have a, I have a good example of this as well. Neurodiversity um, done by us. So neurodivergent leaders and and really yeah I'm if we're talking about strictly autistic leaders, there are very few examples to draw from. I think if we're talking about neurodiversity and in, in, in the bigger sense that neurodiversity isn't just autism, um, neurodiversity is, you know, all minds, but having neurodivergent or you know, some would say neuro minority minds at the, at the very top. Okay. Um, I would draw your attention to the UK. Dr. Nancy Doyle, uh, she runs a consulting firm called Genius Within. and Nancy is herself ADHD and I've had the pleasure of meeting some of her staff. Uh, she surrounds herself with neurodivergent excellence at all levels of her company. Okay. So I think We're probably seeing an example there of what happens when you take people with exceptional minds and exceptionally different minds, put them together, put them in power, and see what they can do for their own community. And I'm watching that unfold with great interest. And it should be pointed out, um, Nancy is herself a researcher. She's uh, heavily published and she's doing this from outside of academia. So she's, n- I, I, I don't really understand academia so well. So I'm, pr- I'm probably going to misspeak on this. But as a layman looking in from outside, she is first and foremost an entrepreneur, a successful CEO of a consulting firm. She's proving neurodiversity works by making a good living at it. And helping others that she leads to make a good living. She's helping her customers to be more successful by adopting these truths that make her own firm successful. All right. So I think we're going to see more and more of that. I think as us autistic folks get to know each other more through the internet, Start working together more. I think you're going to see some folks like me. And if if you know me, if you've been listening to me, you know I've got an entrepreneurial itch. This is is something I want to do. Uh, We're going to start building our own businesses. And we're going to start being successful. And I'm not talking about businesses that are focused on neurodiversity. It's businesses that are just making some other product or solving some other problem. Doing so in a way that fully embraces neurodiversity, that puts, you know, folks with dyslexia, folks with dyspraxia, autism, ADHD, up and down and throughout the organization, in on the board of directors, on the C-suite. And we're gonna do great. We're gonna solve problems in ways that uh, traditional neurotypical lead companies couldn't because they they can't get out of their own way. Sometimes we're gonna come up with innovative solutions because we, I mean, we think differently all the time. It's in our nature. It's inherent to who we are, and I think that's gonna give us a strategic advantage. So I think that's what's next. Um, I I think we're seeing that in the neurodiversity space itself, like neurodiversity as a business model by neurodivergent people. I think that's a start. I think really like the next step for that is neurodiversity at all levels of the organization to solve some problem, to make money selling a product or a service that has absolutely nothing to do with neurodiversity. You know, making the next iPhone making the next Tesla and doing it better than other companies because of who we are. So, um, what have I been doing? I can't talk about it. And that's, uh, you know, that's part of the depression I've been dealing with. That's part of why you haven't heard me podcasting for a little bit. Uh, I get out there and I speak when I can. I go to conferences, uh, when I'm invited and I speak and sometimes, um, uh, how do I put this? I work for a large company that sometimes gets interested in what I'm putting out there and how I'm putting it out there and their interest can be scary to me. It can have a chilling effect on um, my ability to just do my thing, or my sense of safety in speaking openly. And <laughs> okay, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I I, I sometimes get salty with the language. So I'm just going to put this out there. I'm 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 reaching a point where I don't give a fuck uh i'm i'm going to do the right thing i'm going to do the right thing uh for this world for the communities that i serve and um what i think is correct for the organizations i work for uh keeping all of those interests in mind and i'm not interested in doing that by committee i'm not interested in you know washing everything i say through oversight panels. So let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to do my thing. And um, everything's going to work out in the end. Everything's going to land right where it needs to land. So uh, that's it for me. I'm recording this on Christmas Eve. So I know there are folks from all different walks of life listening from different faiths, creeds, cultures, So whether it's uh, Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or uh, Deepavali uh, or Festivus for the rest of us, thank you. Thank you for hanging in there. Uh, I really want to thank my patrons who um, really haven't, for the most part, like haven't been giving me a hard time for um, not being there consistently and for being quiet for a while. A lot of my patrons have just kind of stuck by and I'm thankful. Uh, I I think I was thinking of you when I said, you know, I I need to get in front of a mic. I need to share these thoughts. So I love this community. I love the autistic community. I think if you've made it to this point in the year, 2020 has been an absolute shit year. And uh, if you're still here, you're beautiful and I, I really hope that 2021 is going to be a much better year for all of us. And I look forward to, uh, to, to doing this again, like in another year and saying like, what has, what has changed? Who are the players in the neurodiversity space? Where is autistic excellence happening in the world? And, and kind of looking back on the year and, and and being able to point out like where these great things are happening. I think this was, this was actually kind of cool. So let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know and, um, have a good one. I'll see you next year.